live, you guys. Kasa live. I can see Alex fighting the smile because of last <laughs> week when I said every time I say live, he smiles. I can see him holding it back right now. He doesn't want that <laughs> montage, you guys. He doesn't want the montage. Anyways, live. Welcome, everybody out there in YouTube, Facebook, Twitter land. Welcome. John Haymaker in the house today. We see you. Mallory, welcome. Kevin, green-eyed lady. Welcome, everyone. Kasa live this week. Let's get it going. Alex, hey, how are you? I'm tired. I don't know why, but I am, I'm just super tired today. Yeah. Uh, I talk <laughs> you're, not, you're not much of a caffeine guy, are you? I am. I just can't have more than two cups a day or my heart starts doing weird things. So oh, I have to find, that too. I have my to clubs are big. <laughs> alternative uh, sources of some sort of uppy up feeling, but I will say um, I'm I'm looking forward to watching the Bengals tomorrow. So Ooh, I'm, I'm not yes. I'm not like a football fan or anything, but uh, I I did used to live in Cincinnati, and um, the only NFL football game I've ever gone to was Cincinnati Bengals versus Detroit Lions, and uh, I think the Detroit Lions knocked our quarterback out. Somebody's quarterback got knocked out. That's all I remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, Cincy. It's full contact sport, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Helmets are a good source of harm reduction, though. Hey, yeah. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? Good source of harm reduction, right there. You know, but I, I don't know, man. Like, if you give everybody helmets, like, aren't we all just going to end up riding motorcycles and stuff? Hey, no. I'm not opposed. It's enabling. It's enabling motorcycles and physical contact sports. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. It's not like it's not like people were tackling each other long before football came around. Nobody yeah. here watches rugby, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> my uh, my roommate just refers to um, American football as like like baby rugby. Basically, <laughs> I won't use the term that he actually uses in that statement, but that's that's the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Kristen, hey, how are you? Good, good. Good to be back. I'm sorry I missed you guys last week, although I did watch the show and felt very much still a part of the show, even though I wasn't there because you kept saying things like, I got to remember to put the outro in for Kristen. <laughs> got all that. I'm like, it's kind of like that one week when I was gone and I was like, these two can't be trusted to do this without <laughs> me. Me and Alex are the same way. Like it literally takes all three of us to do this show effectively. Any one person missing and things just start to go awry. <laughs> We're a well-oiled machine, and then you just lose <laughs> somehow we still managed to do that. But saw my grandbaby. Wait, I gotta show pictures. Can I show pictures? Can I sure. share? Aw, that's me with her. Let's see if I can get a closer picture here. I only got three. Don't worry, I'm not gonna like show 15 different pictures. There she oh, is. Oh my gosh. She just not the most adorable. Oh my gosh. And she was such a sweetheart, and. uh just, I mean, she slept through the night already. She's a month old and she slept through the night already and everything. So, yeah, it was, it was awesome to see her. And they spent the whole weekend over. And so it was a very, and then my other son came over with his girlfriend. They stayed over too. And then my daughter came in because they all had to see their niece, you know. So we had just a nice, uh, nice little family gathering for the weekend. So it was cool. Yeah, I can tell you that I personally never get baby fever. 
Um, but whenever I'm around, like if my, my friends just have a newborn, I'm always like really stoked about it. Like I love babies are amazing. Uh, and they bring nothing but joy into a home, but yeah, no baby fever here. My, uh, my 28 year old son, my 28 year old son's going to be the godfather. I mean, we're not re religious, but tradition, you know, sure. so, uh, he's going to be godfather. So he had to come see his goddaughter and, uh, yeah. his, I know his girlfriend would like to have, a. Uh, a baby someday too and so my son came in first thing he said was come in give me my goddaughter and so he's yep. holding her and everything and he keeps keeps looking over at his girlfriend <laughs> yeah. it's just like oh do i see a wedding sometime in the future oh my. <laughs> so yeah i mean but who has weddings before having babies anymore i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know but yeah, yeah. i um he had bad baby fever. It was so cute to see that. It was funny. I get it momentarily. Like when, um, so my, my sister-in-law, they, they recently had kids and, um, you know, it was the same way. Like brought the babies, got to see the babies, got to hold the babies. And like, while I have a baby, I have baby fever, you know, yeah. while, but the minute I give it back, I'm like, okay, this is yours. <laughs> like I've been here. I've done this. <laughs> I cherish my sleep now. I don't, miss getting peed and pooped and puked on and and all i never really things. thought babies were very cute and like other people's babies <laughs> <laughs> but my granddaughter's pretty darn cute i like other people's babies head, you back. And, you know, she's she's kind of one of those little picture perfect babies so it's <laughs> yeah, yeah but that's just my opinion <laughs> right right yeah yeah adorable baby for sure how about you all right yeah my my week has been actually pretty relaxing. I got, I was able to catch up on some sleep. We had some warmer weather. I didn't have to, to, to endure the frozen tundra as much <laughs> this week. Um, so I got some sleep. It's been pretty nice. It's been pretty relaxing. So yeah, all in all, good week so far. My work in the winter is like whenever it's, it's a double-edged sword. If it doesn't snow and we don't have poor weather, uh, it's really good for my back but it's really bad for my wallet. Vice versa, when we get a lot of snow and we have a lot of bad weather, horrible for my back, really good for my wallet. Right. I never have both. I never have a good back and a full wallet. That's what I'm <laughs> aiming for. That's my, my, all my, everything in life for me. My goal is to just have a back that doesn't hurt and money in the bank. You know, ironically, and I know we have to move on because we have a, don't have a long day today, but ironically, same things for me because, you know, hourly. So when we have a lot of news that comes up and I have to do a lot of tweets and posts and stuff and I'm sitting at that computer a lot longer, mm -hmm. my back does not do good. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah same. I mean, it's not the physical labor, but, you know, sure, I'm, no, like, my, I'm like doing this all day today. So I apologize yeah. because it's been a my long time. My mom deals with a lot of back pain. She's been in uh, medical billing for years and now she does mm. administrative stuff for a college. Uh, so it's been all desk work. I mean, Alex relates to this as well all desk work for, you know, the majority of her life. And she has horrible back problems because of it. And so mm -hmm. she's at this point now where she's finally trying to do things uh, like throughout her work day and stuff to stretch, get up, move around, do things because it's just gotten so bad. And ironically, she, when she first started working in medical billing, it was for a chiropractor. And she oh. did chiropractor, <laughs> chiropractic medical billing for a long time. And now she's like, I could sure use that chiropractor I used to I work for. About one. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, that's enough about us. Let's get into some more important things. Alex, if you are ready, 
Alex has got a lot for us today. He's got a lot. Are you ready? Let's do the thing. All right. Got a lot for us this week. All right, Chief, whenever you are ready, let us know what we need to know. We need to keep our eyes and ears on right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, ooh, let's go to the map. Um, Washington State, uh, we still have active engagement, one active engagement, really, for this. Um, and that's going to be the tax bill. Um it is still technically alive, not really urging any huge push for anything here. People showed up and, and put their comments in for the hearing. That was great. Um, but it's still, uh, you know, there's still opportunities to comment. And so and this could come back. Um, and uh, so that's just I'm just noting that the wash. This is still alive in, in Washington state. Um, and that is pretty much it for Washington state right now. Um, Moving along, again, another bill that is uh, still alive. Don't have an update as to what the next hearing will be or what the next step is going to be. Um, but this will be Alaska's SB 45, which has been with us since 2021, uh, a vapor tax. Uh, and um, they had the hearing on February 2nd. I believe that was uh, heard and held. So no update as to what the next steps are. But if you live in Alaska, by all means, share your opinion with your lawmakers about taxing vapor products at 75% wholesale. Now, for the real big one here, um, we'll go to Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is always a mess. I I, I like to, I, I watched part of their uh, hearing on um, let's see which one, SB 2278. Uh, I, I don't exactly know what happened with SB 621. Both of these are tax bills. Uh, they would add vapor products to the state's existing 70% wholesale tax on tobacco products or other tobacco products, um, which, you know, I, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to be taxed at the same rate as other smoke-free products, but there are combustible products in this category as well. Um, and uh, we are certainly not supportive of enacting new taxes on uh, safer nicotine products. So um, uh, if you are in Hawaii, the best way, the best, most direct way to comment on the bill, voice your opinion and so on, is to use the state's website. Uh, and similar to what we did with Washington State, um, you can go to the bill page. And uh, this was... Uh, if, if you want to submit written testimony, you have to have it in 24 hours before the hearing, but you can still comment on the bill, even though the, the, the hearing has happened. Um, and so if you are in Hawaii, uh, by all means, use the submit testimony. Oh, you have to sign in. So uh, let's see, I've got my account here. It's a free account. You don't have to end up doing jury duty or anything like that. You just are into the website. And what do we do? SB 2278. Is that right? There we go. Hey, I remembered the numbers in the correct order. Um, and you can uh, submit your testimony, uh, you know, support, oppose, comments. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not the hardest thing in the world to navigate. I think we put the instructions on the, the call to action. Um, and I'm going through this because there are a ton of bills in um, uh, Hawaii. As, as 
I think, normal, that, that there are always a lot of things going on in Hawaii. Uh, and so I don't have the full list compiled here. This this should take me to where I need so to So many go. lots for such a small state. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so never mind. I was totally wrong about this. Um, there are no upcoming hearings for this bill in which public testimony will be accepted. So to amend what I was saying, no, you can't just go on at any time and, and put your, your testimony in here. Um, but uh, I, I thought that they were still accepting comments on um, the bills uh, after the hearing. Um, but uh, the next hearing, usually bills go through three or four or six committees uh, in Hawaii before they even get to like a floor vote. So uh, there are will likely be other opportunities for people to get involved. Uh, and like I said, I don't have the full list in front of me um, for all the bills. And I don't think it would be all that helpful to just run down all of the numbers. So um, I'm going to put together sort of a, a big all encompassing kind of post about the 12, all, it's 12 bills, including the two that we have up here. 12 bills in Hawaii that are of concern. Uh, and it'll be the same thing as what we had for these other two, uh, commenting using the, the state's website to either simply express your opposition to the bill and or uh, include your written statement uh, or written comments. Uh, and also for any of these bills that have an upcoming uh, committee hearing, you can sign up to speak if you like. Um, but a note that, uh, you know, uh, folks in the committee brought up, and, and generally this is how states like this done, um, if you submit written testimony and then also sign up to speak, make sure you are either summarizing your comments or uh, adding new and or adding new information uh, that you didn't include in your written comment uh, and keep it brief. Uh, the, the committee, it's always it's always best to kind of stay on the good side of the committee uh, and, you um, so uh, uh, keep it short. Everybody's time is valuable. And um, uh, yeah, so that's that. Anyway, I'll, we'll have, have the post up with all of the Hawaii bills after the weekend. Uh, and folks in Hawaii can get engaged uh, through the state's website. And that is Hawaii. Uh, and it's, it's everything. It's flavor bans. Um, I think they're, they're probably doing their own shipping ban. Hawaii and Alaska were sort of exempt from the USPS uh, shipping restrictions. Um, and uh, so a lot of states are going ahead and doing that because they, so several, a few states are doing it where, you know, if you were a brick and mortar retailer and offered delivery, there are laws being proposed to prevent that from happening. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll have more stuff up on Hawaii soon. Now I'm going to unshare my screen. There we go. <coughs> Uh, on the next on the list, um, Illinois has the Flavored Tobacco Ban Act, SB 3854. Um, and a lot of these are going to be like this. Uh, introduced and referred to committee. It's uh, referred to the Senate Executive Committee. No hearing has been posted. Um, so we don't have an engagement up for this just yet. Uh, we'll you know keep our powder dry until you know we need everybody to get engaged. Um, so again, that's SB 3854 for those of you playing the home game, uh, and that is the Flavored Tobacco Ban Act in Illinois. Uh, Iowa, uh, I had some uh, correspondence with the trade association folks on the ground in Iowa, and uh, this is HF 98. This is a tax bill. 
this would include vapor products and alternative nicotine products, which is what they're using to define uh, nicotine pouches. Um, in the state's existing 50% tax on tobacco products, um, there was a subcommittee meeting on the 3rd of February. Uh, it's just, it's three people. They voted two to one to uh, send it on to the full committee. Uh, there are apparently amendments in there. I wasn't able to find them, um, but uh, we'll see what those amendments are. And again, uh, we're not putting anything out about this. Just kind of wanted to put it on your radar, just in case you're in Iowa and um, the uh, trade association folks have lobbyists working the bill. And so we'll see how far this goes. Hopefully it doesn't go much further. Um, but if it does, we'll put something out. So that's uh, Iowa HF 98. Uh, Indiana is also looking at a flavor ban. Uh, HB 1379, I think I've, we've mentioned that before. Um, this is still sort of just languishing in limbo until it gets a committee hearing. Nothing scheduled that I could see on the website, um, but it has been introduced and referred to the House Public Policy Committee. Um, so HB 1379 in Indiana, a flavor ban. Kentucky. <laughs> this one's kind of interesting. Um, it's a 40% wholesale tax. Basically, it folds vaping in with other tobacco products and such. Um, I think it, it, it actually raises the, the tax um, a bit. This is HB 201. Um, so we, I don't have an engagement up for this yet. Um, one of the things that I uh, saw in the bill is uh, they're removing the harm reduction language, which this is sort of, as far as I understand it, this is the original harm reduction language. In the government relations circles, when you say harm reduction language, it refers to those tax reductions that we've been seeing. Um, so the 50% off for MRTP products, 25% um, off for probably the modified exposure product. I'm not sure how they, the, the language was a bit confusing there, but um, so that's sort of the new harm reduction language. The old harm reduction language is originally in statute in Kentucky. Uh, and it, I'm going to read it because it's, uh, it's, it's not bad. Uh, and I, I don't know if this was in the eighties or nineties, uh, but this has been around for decades. It's not, it's not a new um, bit of, of language. So here's, here's the language that's being struck as uh, part of this HB 201. The General Assembly recognizes that increasing taxes on tobacco products should reduce consumption and therefore result in healthier lifestyles for Kentuckians. The, re the relative taxes on tobacco products proposed in this section reflect the growing data from scientific studies suggesting that all those smokeless tobacco poses some risks those health risks are significantly less than the risk posed by other forms of tobacco hmm. problems. Moreover, the General Assembly acknowledges that some in the public health community recognize that tobacco harm reduction should be a complementary public health strategy regarding tobacco products. Taxing tobacco products according to relative risk is a rational tax policy and may well serve the public health goal of reducing smoking-related mortality and morbidity and lowering health care costs associated with tobacco-related disease. Not a new revelation. This has been in statute in the state of Kentucky for probably more than 10 years before vaping was even a thing. Wow. Yeah. 
and, and they're they trying want, to remove this language. Trying to remove that. So there's a little bit of um, oh, it's it's not whitewashing, but there's a, there's a little bit of uh, historical adjustment going on here, or something like that. Uh, I, I, it was probably I, put in by tobacco companies, probably lobbied, lobbied by tobacco companies or something. You know what I mean? So oh, tobacco I, I companies fought for this, so we need to take it out. <laughs> well, I it I. That and, you know, it just is not consistent with what they're doing to the tax scheme in Kentucky. Um, it, 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 they are raising the taxes. Uh, they're doing it without regard to the, the, you know, the relative risk between products. They right. just all tobacco bad is how they're approaching this. And this uh, this section doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. So they want to take it out. Uh, it's a bit like revising history in a way. Um, this is a very true statement coming from the state of Kentucky. Uh, this should remain in the in in statute, uh, and other states should be adopting similar language. Yeah. Um, and and as as you can see, Kentucky still has taxes on these products. I think uh, I, I I'm just drawing from memory. I think the tax on vapor products is like 15% wholesale or something like that. It's not huge, um, and and I mean again, we don't support extra taxes on these products, but uh, if a state is going to do it, the tax should be proportional to risk. Um, and and Kentucky, you know, they did it. So um, again, yeah, this is the original harm reduction language, and it should stay in. Crazy. Other states should adopt yeah. it. Um, and uh, so, it, I mean, even if you like this tax, which I'm sure no one does, right. uh, for you know Matt Myers and the Funky Bunch. Um, uh, the, the, the bill should be opposed on the grounds of removing this language. That's an excellent band name. <laughs> Matt Myers and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's Matt Myers and the Body Parts. That's the band name. Anyway, so uh, again, that is HB 201 in Kentucky. I uh, haven't really spoken with anybody in Kentucky about this, so uh, I'm not sure where everyone's at in terms of getting everybody engaged in this. Um, but it is a tax hike. It is uh, editing uh, some of the history there uh, and um, and should definitely be opposed. So does Kentucky have a pretty active group for like vaping and stuff? Uh, well, we've certainly got some people in Kentucky who've been doing things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't I don't have the strongest connections with everybody all over the, the country. But right. Um, I'm you know, just curious. I know Tennessee is like. Yeah, Tennessee has always been very active and Isn't very that where Demetrius? Um, and I, I think, um, you know, Kentucky also has some some very motivated folks there. So, uh, you know, we'll, cool. we'll reach out. We'll see what what uh, see what's going on. And yeah, they might not have caught week. on to that, you know, because it's kind of a subtle thing if you're not paying attention. Well, no, I mean, the tax hike for sure. Uh, the people, right, right. People are aware of this. Um, you know, I got this from a, a list that was compiled by people who are doing the work. So. Gotcha. Um, uh, okay. it's, it's on folks, it's on people's radar. Oh, good. Um, and, and just, but the, the nixing, the harm reduction language to me was that that's like, that's, that's a, that's a step too far. And, and yeah, just, that, that's kind of twisting the knife a little bit. Um, so anyway, moving right along, hopefully we'll come back to Kentucky with more information. And, um, I, I got a, just a few more things here. So, um, <clears throat> the other things on our radar, uh, Minnesota HF904 is a flavor ban. Um, I, again, this is carried over from 2021. I don't have an update. Um, if Skip is in the house, I'm, she may be able to have some insight there uh, for this bill. And I think there's another one in, in Minnesota uh, for flavor bans. 
Um, but anyway, Minnesota okay, HF nine zero four. Um, again, these are these are things we, we don't have an engagement up for yet, but we may in the near future. So, um, Mississippi SB twenty sixty two. This is a fifteen percent wholesale tax. This would be new. Um, uh, again, introduced and referred to the Senate Finance Committee. So uh, nothing scheduled as of yet. Uh, and um, uh, just putting it on everyone's radar. Uh, Maine. Um, so there was some rescheduling that went on uh, going into the weekend last week. Uh, I think we talked about that briefly. Uh, the hearing was held on February 9th. Uh, this is LD1693. Um, the other flavor ban bill in Maine, of course, is LD1550. Uh, we have engagements up for both of these. Let's just go to the beautiful state of Maine here. Um, yes. So we've got both. We've got LD1550 up on our site and LD1693 still active, um, still worthy of your participation uh, and uh, the hearing happened, wasn't great. Um, I don't have uh, an outcome uh, on my notes here. Um, but uh, yeah, specifically with LD 1693, we're asking people to oppose Part D. Um, the, there's other stuff in the bill. It's a big bill. So, uh, you know, other stuff, you don't necessarily need to kill the whole thing. Just amend out the parts that don't work. Okay, wait, hold on. I accidentally exited myself out. I've got Mississippi, which do you want me to do the main? No, that's Portland. We don't need to share Portland. Um, you can just do the main. Um, 1693? Just do the whole page. Bill page? Gotcha. Okay, sorry. I was being a doofus and somehow. Skip is here, by the way. She says she doesn't have an update. Cool. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Skip. Um, and... Um, also, uh, the last one here on the list is Colorado, still keeping an eye on HB 221064. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, don't have anything to add to that this week. And that should end the legislative rundown. Did you guys get all that? <laughs> Everybody get all that? <laughs> If you didn't get all that, feel free to watch the replay or just head right over to our site where all of those calls to action are listed. All right. Whew, lots of legislation. Just mountains of good news all around the country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Anyways. Well, now that we are done with the legislative rundown, you guys ready to get into some takes? Let's do it. All right. Take time. This is where we take the time to give to our, figure out who's going first. Our <laughs> hot take opinions on things, I guess. Yeah, I don't know who's going first. You want me to go first? Sure. I sure. did put in the chat this morning. We need to figure out who goes first for take, and we still kind of we just skimmed right over. <laughs> I didn't even see it. I didn't even see it either. Didn't even see it. I, I tried. Like I tried. So I had some technical difficulties while we were setting up this stream. And when I tried to share my screen, my computer froze. It was like, nope, not doing this. We're not having this today. So Alex is going to be my my screen share operator for my take today. So that way, hopefully, uh, 
my Mac doesn't freak out or anything like this. But we're we're gonna take a little trip to Australia, going down under. Uh, this article is from Daily Mail, so take that or leave it as you will. But uh, the story, there's more to this story, really. Uh, and the key focus uh, is about prohibition. So Uber drivers, how ride share drivers are brazenly crashing, cashing in on huge e-cigarette black market by making deliveries and sales to passengers from blinged out cars. Uber drivers caught selling illegal nicotine based products. They were made illegal uh, in October of 2020, I believe, in Australia. It says up at the top. Um, I believe it was 2020, 2021. So last year, um, basically, yeah, they, uh, Uber drivers, as far as this article states, uh, are selling e-cigarettes, uh, disposables mainly, uh, out of their, out of their vehicles. Um, they have a, a picture in here with like a, a menu that's kind of, yep, taped up, uh, little QR thing. You can scan to see what products they have. Uh, whether they're kept in the trunk or a glove box or in the front seat in a box, something like that. But either way, uh, this is a, a good highlight that even though we make these products illegal and you can't sell them in stores, that prohibition does not necessarily work and that these products are sold all over the place, uh, whether that be via TikTok or Snapchat or some social media or right in the Uber that you get into uh, these products are widely available still, regardless of the laws that are placed against them. Um, and it's a good highlight to show that prohibition around products like this does not work. If there is a demand for products such as these, which there is a massive demand for these products, that supply has to come from somewhere. And if that supply can't come from a legal regulated uh, place like a vape shop or an online retailer, uh, people will ultimately find this as a good way to supplement their income, especially people who, you know, do not make much money uh, doing Uber or, or things like that. Um, this is a way that people uh, find to supplement their income. Um, and again, this is this is this is the result of prohibition. Uh, it does not make the products go away. It simply shifts the market from a, a legal retailer into the hands of everyday people. Uh, and this is not just something that we see with e-cigarettes. This is with drugs across the board. This is this is prohibition and this is the result of that. Um, and I, I believe there was another article recently, or, or I don't know how recent it was, Kristen shared it with me, highlighting the massive black market for tobacco in Australia. Uh, Australia has some of the highest taxes around uh, cigarettes, I believe in the world. It's pretty absurd how high the tax rates are for cigarettes in Australia. And uh, and this is just another, another example of that. So my take really ultimately is this is this is another result of prohibition and prohibition does not work. Do we have any do you have any other takes on this one, Alex or Kristen? Because that's really that's really my take here. <laughs> it yeah, just I mean, doesn't work. That's pretty just much what I said. Legal to sell doesn't mean that it stops getting sold or that it just magically goes away or that it resolves the issue. No, it tends to create more problems. Alex, I shared the article in the private chat of that, um, the one that talks about uh, Australia's black market. But yeah, I mean, that was pretty much my take when I tweeted about that article. Now, Jim's kind of iffy about whether or not that's actually real because it came from Daily Mail, but it is Daily Mail Australia. So who knows? Um but, but either way, they have this whole attitude, you know, when they were talking about doing all these things. In New Zealand, the same thing. They have the same problem. Oh, my God, Mallory. 
just said 50 to 60 dollars a pack in australian yeah. dollars it's crazy yeah. yet people are still smoking um but yeah both australia and new zealand's been a little more uh relaxed with the vaping issue but uh people are still pushing for more and more things. And, and, you know, the point is prohibition isn't just all out bans, you know, prohibition can be like partial prohibition, I guess you call it. They're they're Alex, I think you talked, you gave a terminology for that. Or creeping I read it pro Creeping prohibition, or there's also prohibition light. Yeah. yeah. Where, where it's like <clears throat> most people wouldn't think of it as prohibition, you know, when you put a big tax on something or when you ban just flavors or, um, you require prescriptions like yeah, when you reduce does. access to a product for people, that is that's a, form, is of a form of prohibition. You're excluding a group of people who can no longer participate in this legal market um, or or their products are taken away as opposed to someone else's products. Um, the products that you use are now like a flavor ban. For example, the products that you use have now been banned and made illegal, while some maybe like tobacco flavored products remain. People who do use those products don't you necessarily suffer that prohibition, but people who don't use those products do. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's prohibition lighter or like, you know, you're talking about with the tax uh, for a lot of really low income people that might as well be prohibition. It's a massive barrier to access for those products. So, yeah, it's it's prohibition light. Uh, yeah, and, and regardless, and people will make up that supply chain, you know, whether it's through a retailer or or through uh, the trunk of an Uber driver. Uh, as long as the demand remains, I mean, it's 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 economics 101. It's base supply and demand. Uh, if there's a big enough demand, that supply will come from somewhere, whether it's regulated or unregulated. Uh, and safety errs on the side of regulation around these products. So not only, you know, it's not one of those cases where maybe the products that are being sold out of these these vehicles uh, do pose a threat. Maybe, you know, they're, they're not on the up and up as far as the safety of them goes. But really, I think the biggest... The biggest concern is always, uh, for me, like the interactions that can take place in the black market. Uh, and I see Alex's finger going up, so I'll let you, uh, I'll let you hop in on that. I was just since you were about to bring up safety and all that stuff, I, I will say, having spent most of my working adult life behind the wheel of something for money, um, that I, I am actually more concerned with the disco lights in that Uber than I am with the vapes. <laughs> I, they could sell any. I, I, I would. <laughs> rather them sell handguns uh, in out of that car than have the disco lights. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I'm just going to... distraction behind the wheel. I'm just going to point out two things. One is is that this, this disconnect that these lawmakers in Australia have, thinking that there's not going to be a black market for vapor products, putting all these restrictions on it when they have such a huge black market for tobacco. And it seems I mean, like in Australia... They ignore it. And yeah. the second thing is, is another danger is I frequently, because I'm always watching the news on vaping and e-cigarettes is that, you know, I'll see, and I don't always share these, but I will see that kids are getting shot and robbed and beat up trying to do these illicit sales. And that's what I mean by unsafe interactions. Like yeah. when you walk well, into a, a retailer. Think, a lot, yeah, a lot of people are thinking, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was kind of re reinforcing that, that I have seen it. It has happened even in the U.S. when you can still pretty much get stuff pretty easily. Imagine yeah. what's going to happen when you can't get stuff easily, and that's going to raise the value so much more. Sure. But it's really sad seeing some of these kids are getting beat up and some of them gotten shot. And and you're seeing um, <clears throat> smash and grabs at vape shops and tobacco, tobacco shops, and <clears throat> people are taking the actual 
they're taking vapes and stuff, you know, because they know that there's, there's a market for it now. You're not you're going to see an increase of these shops that do sell them getting hit like this. Yeah. Because of one, of the, one of the reasons why I and it, and it comes from a personal place. One of the reasons why I talk so much about unsafe interactions in the illicit market is you're right. You know, there people have died, you know, in in deals. And that's something that is, is I don't want to say common, but it definitely happens. I personally have been thrown out of a vehicle going down the road at 30 miles an hour over $200 worth of cannabis. Wow. Uh. Yeah, so there are. Yeah, I've seen that. I've that, seen that. That doesn't happen when you walk into a retail establishment where you can go. Uh, not only do a lot of you know adult retail establishments have some form of security or whatever, but there's typically cameras in place. There's there's there are protections for you as a consumer when you are you know working within the black market, the illicit market. There are no protections for you. Right. There's no accountability there. You are you are essentially on your own and you are left to deal with the people who you're dealing with. Um, and that I, that's it. I, that's I, I, I want to add something to what you just said. And and I, I hope that this serves as a bit of an early segue into what we'll talk about in the deep dive. But, you know, um, for people who are experiencing those consequences, um, uh that's kind of part of the deal. If you're, um, if, 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 if the, for the folks who are promoting these puritanical Old Testament kind of policies where uh, we're pushing all of these products onto an unregulated market, their attitude about this is, well, you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. So any risk that you are exposing yourself to in order to continue using these products, you deserve it. Ugh. that and I, and I just want to make sure that kind of sticks in folks minds as we go forward towards the end of the, the podcast here um, that 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 is very much um, that's part of this the punishment yeah. is it, it's not just the yeah. fines or jail time the punishment is the like point that. the punishment is the risk you take to go continue using these products right yeah. Uh, Addie Tooney asked Assad, did you get to see the new grandbaby yet? You're, yeah, you're <laughs> going to have to watch the beginning of the stream. I did show uh, pictures in the beginning. Photo. Well, yeah. yeah. But that's my take is prohibition doesn't work. And whether we're worried about the safety of the products themselves, the, the safety of you and I and everyday people uh, is at risk regardless of how on the up and up these, these disposables or these e-cigarettes are that are being sold illicitly through Ubers or TikTok or whatever. Uh, they could still be very high quality products, but the interactions that people are going to get into are not always safe. Uh, and I think that's something that we also we, we do need to stress, because a lot of times in this space, when we talk about the black market, a lot of people focus on the safety of the product itself. Right. These products were unregulated for a really, really long time. Uh, so again, we're not I mean, I'm still concerned, yes, about the safety of the products. And, and I that is a, that is a legitimate, valid concern. But my biggest concern is about the safety of the people uh, who go into these interactions to to get the products that they use to continue to meet, remain smoke free, right? Uh, and that's you know I mean, no one no one should it. be thrown out of a car going down the road at thirty miles an hour uh, just so that way they can they can not smoke cigarettes. Let, well, th I mean, we're talking about people are dying because of nicotine product of nicotine vapes. I mean, these yeah. are teens who were selling nicotine vapes. Actually, I don't think the one they died, but um, the one I'm thinking with the nicotine, I mean, sometimes they're, they're cannabis vapes, but 
I've seen them over nicotine vapes. I mean, we're talking about a legal product that people are dying from you know, over because it's not because of these regulations. So yeah, I agree. Alex, why don't you go next? Uh, Cause I know you'll probably do a lot of the intro and stuff for the uh, deep dive. So that way you don't have to talk for the, for a whole hour on your own. <laughs> that will sure. be a little no. in between. And, you know, it fits here um, to take the completely opposite side of, of, of this uh, discussion here. Um, the UK is launching an independent review to look at tobacco health disparities. And a big part of this is, uh, you know, looking into just how effective, um, you know, their stop smoking services have been at increasing people switching away from combustion. Uh, and indeed, it, it, it looks like I think one of the quotes in here, um, if I can scroll down to, I didn't highlight it, um, but uh, there was a really good point made uh, about a particular stop smoking service. Um, English councils managed to improve their local smoking cessation services in 2021, including specifically for marginalized populations, despite notable funding issues. So even with the headwind of not enough funding, just simply adding, I think, vapor products to, uh, you know, their their toolbox of, of things to recommend to people who smoke, um, they were able to increase uh, uh, smoking cessation rates. Yeah, do you know how much uh, it costs the government to recommend that you visit a vape shop? Practically zero dollars. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm imagining it costs probably millions. Somebody's got to write the report, right? And then you got to walk it through sure. the legislature. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing. I get nothing. Is whatever free. to sign something. And then somebody's there are no got to, you know, we need $30 million to do an ad campaign and, you know, something else or whatever. And, you know, I'm sure it, it I'm sure it's very, I mean, the government can make, you know, a stick of gum exceedingly expensive. Um, sure. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, the spirit of this is that all you got to do is just, uh, you know, work with the, the local retailers uh, sure. and refer people, um, hopefully, you know, for, for some people being able to give them a free setup. Um, uh, all of these things are, are totally doable. The UK is showing the way. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't have much of a take on this other than, you know, way to go UK. I really wish we could be listening to what you're doing um, and, and applying it here in the United States, I think there are people who are on the ground, um, you know, as we move forward and continue talking about how tobacco harm reduction fits in the larger harm reduction, uh, you know, community, the scope, whatever you want to call it, um, that, uh, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the existing harm reduction services in the United States, I, I believe, are going to be moving toward offering uh, vapor products and other smoke-free alternatives to folks who come in there because we know that the people who use drugs also smoke cigarettes at disproportionately higher rates than the rest of the population. So, um, you know, these these harm reduction centers, compassionate care centers, uh, safe needle programs, safe injection sites, all of these things are touch points uh, and, and recommending smoke-free alternatives to people who go through these services um, uh, is, is really valuable. Uh, and so I if, if I had a take, it's that it's amazing what's going on in the UK. I'm, it's 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 reassuring that there are, uh, you know, the, that the government is behind this. And, that, you know, of course, the, the um, um, uh, Royal College of Physicians, a professional organization, 
um, is, is behind this and, and that folks working on the ground in these stop smoking services are able to uh, uh, add these products to their toolkit. Uh, all of that is very heartwarming and encouraging, and, and I'm, I'm super jealous of the UK. Um, at the same time, all the, also, um, uh, the UK has, has some work to do, and there are very capable people there pushing forward with uh, repealing the ban on Swedish snooze. I was just going to say, I believe they're working on that at like, like right now, like looking very diligently yeah. at, at snooze um, right now. Yeah, this is this is kind of, uh, it, you know, this is a benefit of Brexit is that uh, the UK is no longer um, sort of stuck in the tobacco products directive of the EU. Uh, yeah. And so they can kind of, you know, strike out on their own path here. Um, I'm so, curious yeah, to see what they're going to do with great. some of those other TPD limitations <sighs> on vapor products, such as like tank size, short fills, right. things like that. Um which really all too often uh, are, are just unnecessary barriers for people um, or additional steps. Um, you know, they're just unnecessary, really, in the long yeah, run. It's, and, you know, it's, it's basically the, the state stepping in and making these products less enjoyable, less effective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Forcing yeah. people to handle their own nicotine and mixing things like that. Um, it's, just, it's just unnecessary and it's not necessarily, uh, doesn't necessarily make anything safer. Uh, especially yeah, on the, the consumer side. So the, the 20 milligram Nick cap is, as Ian noted uh, in the chat. Um, and I, I know, you know, Canada is also looking at a nicotine cap. I, I always get confused. I believe Canada passed that a while ago. I could be wrong there. Yeah. Um, the last I spoke to my friends up in Alberta, um, I believe, I believe that passed. So yeah. Like that, it's, yeah. And, and of course we have States here that are emulating this policy um, you know, Utah has this 36 milligram uh, cap uh, through the Department of Health uh, and other states. I, I think the 36 milligram is a little bit more um, that that seems to have there's some science to support that. I, we don't support capping it at 36. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, we all know that the nicotine delivery depends a lot on the device. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, Salt or no salts and technical details. Different people have different uh, individual needs as far as uh, their milligram is concerned. Uh, Really quick, Addy Tooney, I'm sorry for your loss. He said he was at a wake earlier today. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. I I was scrolling back trying to figure out why everybody was saying that and I couldn't figure out why. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah, whatever. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I was going to say that that what really surprised me is that you get a lot of people who live in England who would opine on what's going on in the U S and say, you know, well, you should have caps like we have, and you wouldn't have your teen epidemic. And I was like, you guys shouldn't even have the caps either. You don't think, you know, they think, they think the caps worked and did anything there. And then you turn around and see articles about places getting busted where they're selling high nicotine stuff, you know, well, if there was no, demand for it you they wouldn't be busting in places in england selling this illicit i think i included that in one of the tweets i did this last week that that came up yeah and even i, I and i forget this gentleman's name all the time i apologize but uh, there was someone from public health england who was he was interviewed as part of the the cnbc hit piece that came out i think mm-hmm. in 20 I, I don't know if that was 2020 um but uh, it was it was it wasn't great um, and he was, of course, you know, his comments didn't fit CNBC's narrative. So they put him as a web extra 
on YouTube. But he started off the interview by saying, you know, look, the numbers in the UK, as far as youth use go, are very similar to the United States. Yeah, so, when you look again, at population, I mean, you have data to support yeah. that the nicotine cap really isn't effective. Uh, it isn't effective at anything except for discouraging people from, you know, switching completely. Yeah, there's nothing scientific in supporting it at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. there really isn't. Yeah, I mean, a lot. Of, when you look at population uh, percentages, the UK is what, like a tenth of the US? As far as population goes, they have a population of it's like just shy of 40 million people or something like that. We have 338 million or so in America. Um, but proportionately, when you when you break down those percentages, we're, we're not that much different yeah. uh, as, as far as usage and rates go. Yeah. Well, you know, if you listen to some lawmakers in the U.S., people, you know, the U.K. is a and, and, and Sweden are unique situations and somehow they have different physiologies and different, you know, that for some reason, vaping and snooze work differently there than it would work here. You know, I mean, they claim that, well, well, their model wouldn't work or, you know, that wouldn't work here or, you know, it's different in the UK. It's different in, in Sweden with, you know, snooze and things like that. Yeah. And Those they argue that that would work here. Are be different, different than us. <laughs> it's like, how, how would that be so different? You know, ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy. All right, Kristen, what do you got for us this week? Okay, well, I'm talking about, oh, I need to share my screen again. I, I was such a doofus and managed to, when I was scrolling up to the top to look at the Twitter feed, I managed to hit one of those quick links at the top and it completely took me out of StreamYard. Yeah, so I messaged Kristen on Skype and I was like, <laughs> where'd you go? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, so I need, no, I don't want that. Well, while you're doing your thing, I'm, I just okay. want to say in advance, I'm sorry for all the Rams fans out there. I think, I think uh -oh, Cincinnati, what happened? Cincinnati's going to disappoint you. <laughs> oh, no. Wow, Alex throwing shade midway through the show. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a sports fan. I don't get to do this very often, so I'll take this opportunity <laughs> to talk a right, little so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Philadelphia guy, so I'm pretty used to, uh, you know, disappointment. I'll root for the Eagles, too, that they didn't make the Super Bowl. So No, no, no. Hey, we All had right, our so, we had our comeback a few years ago. I'll take it. So Logan, I need you to watch the chat for me. So while I'm doing this, because I can't I can't read it if got, I don't have got it. Got all my thing. eyes all right. on you guys in chat right now. <laughs> so okay, so what I uh, so we're doing a little bit of education thing. This is my take on something, and you guys know I like to point out just the falsehoods and the ridiculous stuff and the tech the tactics that that anti-nicotine and tobacco zealots like to use to start to move the, the needle over into their favor for general public acceptance of the lies they like to tell. And the one that came out this week was a study, <laughs> if you know, study, if you can call it that, that 97% of kids have had some level of nicotine on their hands. <gasps> Ooh, and it's called Third hand smoke. Okay, so we've all talked about this. You know, we've talked about third hand smoke before. And you guys know that it's, they've used this for vaping. Okay, they've said, well, people are, they're putting this cloud out there and it settles on surfaces and, and that's going to have toxic chemicals in there and kids are going to come around and put, you know, kids and pets are going to get it on their paws and their hands and put it in their mouths and stuff like that. And, and, and so it's this scare tactic and they use it they started it with smoke and they are, what are we laughing about? <laughs> what did I miss? I heard somebody laugh. Not me. Um, huh? 
I know. I, I don't. Think oh, I thought laughing. I heard somebody laugh. No, it okay. wasn't me. My mic muted. This is serious business. This is not funny. No <laughs> laughing. I thought, maybe, I thought maybe somebody made a comment. It popped up and I was missing it. Um, anyhow, so yeah, the uh, the this third hand smoke thing is it's just ridiculous. And if you look at this article, they're talking about um, it being really concerning. And just, you know, it comes out of San Diego University and also Cincinnati. So, all right, I'm not sure if I'm going to cheer for Cincinnati for the uh, Super Bowl. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so they swabbed the hands of about 500 kids, found that it contained some level of nicotine. Um, uh, and then 95% of kids who come from non-smoking households also had nicotine on their hands. So you have to start to wonder, okay, if they're in a non-smoking household, ostensibly non-vaping household too, why would they have nicotine on their hands? Well, we know that nicotine is in other things, but I'm wondering if we're getting some false positive here for, you know, for one. And so they were talking about um, how alarming it is because virtually all kids, particularly those that were unexposed by their parents, they don't smoke, there's nothing in the environment that they would know of. Virtually all of them did have some exposure to nicotine. It's concerning because there really is no safe threshold of third hand smoke exposure. And they use that word safe, no safe expression, you know? So it's, they purposely use that word. So that's one of their tactics. There's no safe level of exposure. There's no safe level of exposure to anything including water, any kind of air, there's no 100% safe exposure. There's generally regarded as safe. And if you look at some of these exposures, it's, it's ridiculous the levels of exposure they're getting from secondhand smoke, let alone this thirdhand smoke that they're trying to scare people about. And so at the very bottom here is where I drew the attention to when I was talking about with, with the tweet. And I said, we need to be working, well, I didn't say, this Goldstein said, we need to be working on tobacco-free parks, beaches, indoor areas, and all places where kids also go and are exposed. There's not too many places kids don't go these days, you know? <laughs> I mean, where aren't the kids? Okay, so they're not in a strip club, hopefully, you know, or whatever, you know, but name, you've got far more places where kids are, far, far, far more places. I was going to make a comment not. about how expensive childcare is. And sometimes you just got to bring your kids to work, but um, that's, I mean, that's legit. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's most, a real. <laughs> yeah. So most of these kids were five years of age in the study. It wasn't like they had control of their environments. It's where we as parents oftentimes allow them to be. That is, I read that and some people will go, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, parks, beaches, they should be. And most people miss it. This is, this is them laying the groundwork to have every place banned where a kid could be. So you're not going to be able to smoke, vape. Um, there's some place already, if you go to a park, you can't use chew or snooze. I mean, any all tobacco use, whether it puts anything in the air, is, is prohibited. So this whole thing where, oh, we just want separate restaurant sections for, you know, smokers and non-smokers and back then people are like well you're not you're going to be banning it everywhere you know oh no no you guys are just conspiracy theorists that's just ridiculous that'll never happen well here you go um brad Radu, dr brad Radu, radu sorry i always says name wrong uh dr radu has a great uh blog post on this talking about the third smoke cancer third hand smoke cancer hysteria um and here he says it right at the top if if you can measure it it must be deadly 
you know, and, and they had done a thing he's talking about, this is from 2010. Okay. So this is not a new thing that people are doing. Um, and by, uh, along those lines, I have here a study that came out. Uh, this was done in Germany. Third hand smoke can expose, oh, let me X this up, can expose moviegoers to emissions of up to 10 cigarettes. Oh my God. Third hand smoke. I mean, talk about vilifying Ten cigarettes, 10 cigarettes. Um, but if you get if you get down into it, and I do have uh, links in the um, the blog notes that you can share into the chat for all of these, including the actual study, um, what it really comes down to is that uh, <clears throat> excuse me that the um, they measured the air of what it was like during movies, like before and then during, to see what happens to the level of contaminants and toxins and things like that in the movie theater. And they even went like, to a G-rated movie and an R-rated movie, figuring more adults would be in an R-rated movie. Would, so that would that increase the level of toxins in the air? And because Germany had, at this point, had had uh, an indoor ban for so long, it had been like 15 years since anybody had been allowed to smoke in the theater. So they knew that if levels went up, it was because of the people coming in. Um, they did interestingly, interestingly, uh, rule out people secretly vaping in the movie theater. So that was good. Um, but one thing that I found was they said, um, they were talking about one particular movie showing that each occupant in the movie theater inhaled 10.7 micrograms of benzene. Okay. And you're like, oh my God, you know, and that's during the course of a one and a half, two hour movie, right? 10.7 UG, that's micrograms, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, here's the interesting thing. Benzene is found in the air from emissions from burning coal. This is from the EPA. Burning coal and oil, gasoline service stations, and motor vehicle exhaust. So how many people stopped and got gas? How many people drove there? <laughs> you know, that they might have benzene on their clothes. Um, so that, that, that was kind of crazy. And, and it was funny is... It says, I've also found that um, from WHO, the World Health Organization, within the USA, the daily intake of ambient and indoor air for benzene has been calculated to range between 180 to 1300 micrograms a day. And we're talking about 10.7 in the movie theater. And they go on in this article to talk about how scary it is that people are getting this, you know, they're being exposed to this in the movie theater. And it's a tiny fraction of what you get just going to the movie theater. And that's how they blow this stuff out of proportion. And you get in it. So when you're talking about, um, I think I can stop sharing now. Hold on, let me go back to here. Um, when you're talking about this kind of article and they're talking about third hand smoke. And they said, they also said uh, it was one, they were, people were getting exposed to toxins that would be found in about one to 10 cigarettes secondhand smoke. So you looked at that title and it sounded like, oh, it's just like smoking 10 cigarettes. No, it was 10 up to up to 10. It's like between one and 10 from the secondhand smoke of one to 10 cigarettes. And so we know 
how how deadly is secondhand smoke? Well, that's been established. Well, no, it hasn't. Um, you know, the secondhand smoke, they just kind of made up a number saying, well, we don't really track it. We don't know how many people actually get sick because of secondhand smoke. Because then you had argon and, and all sort of stuff that's been coming up lately. That's Now they're like, oh, that's kind of causing lung cancer too. Um, that, that might have even more of it, you know, it just be, and then the smoking, the secondhand smoke exposure could have just been coincidence. And we know that most secondhand smoke facts that are given out regarding the deadliness of it were studies. And I've said this many times before studies of Japanese women who lived with heavy smokers, people are men who, you know, their husbands were smoked a lot on a daily basis for decades. So it's almost like they were, you know, what's the term being hot boxed for 30 years from, from cigarette smoke, you know, and then they just took that and went, well, if that's the case, then a bartender in a big bar with smoke eaters who works there for a few hours a day for a couple of years has the same risks. So that's, they just, they just, whoops, sorry. They just, um, they just said, that's it. You know, and they haven't really done any studies. So, so then they make up this 30,000 a year who die from secondhand smoke. Okay, so now let's take that into consideration. Secondhand smoke is so dangerous that compared to cigarette smoke that kills, you know, the number jumps around, but I'm going to use the 480,000 one. Okay, it kill, direct smoke kills 480,000. Secondhand smoke, just 30,000. So compare those two. So if you can look at just those two differences in numbers, that you know, it's not, it's not scientific, but obviously the risk is not as bad from secondhand smoke or that number would be way, way bigger because pretty much all those smoke people who smoke, who one person who smokes can expose a lot of people around them. So if secondhand smoke was so deadly, you'd see a, a lot bigger number. You see where I'm going with that? But have you heard of the Helena miracle? Right. Yeah. Helena. Um, Helena. And then, and I always then, say Helena. Right. Helena, yeah. Helena. <laughs> And then the third hand smoke, they say is, I forget what it was, uh, one, one to 60% or something, the, the risk of secondhand smoke. One, 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 one to 60. One to 60. Those are wide markets. That's was not, the range I saw. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I don't sense. know if I could even use that. Listen, um, when you have nothing but really poor data that you're trying to. <laughs> right? Exactly. You really got to, you got to take a, wet, a wide breath there. Yeah. And, you know, it, and so there, there it's, so then just, okay. So now you've gone from 400, a risk, you know, I'm trying to do this in the numbers of the, of the people who die, you know, 480 kill by directly inhaling it into their lungs at least 20 times, you know, 10 to 20 to 60 times a day, depending on how many packs that doesn't have a hundred percent death rate, you know? So, you know, we, we know it kills, what do they say? It kills half their regular users or whatever. We know it shortens their lives. Then you go down to secondhand smoke. The number they use all the time is like 30,000 or something like that. I mean, what is that percentage wise? 10, 10%? Less than 10. Less than 10%. And now you go to thirdhand smoke. That's so deadly. It's, 1% of 10%, you know, I mean, it, it's 6.25%. Yeah. So the risk level for the third hand smoke, which is a tiny percentage, the tiny amount, I mean, we're talking about micrograms and fewer might. So they're using this 
no safe level thing. They're going to use that to do more indoor bans. They're going to use that to discriminate discriminate against people who smoke and who vape um, from giving them housing. Because I mean, oh my God, you're a walking toxin, you know, because it's on your it's on your clothes and it's in your hair and it's on your hands and it's on your you know jacket. You're basically a, a walking threat to public health just by existing because you smoked something or you vaped something. And I found it really interesting that they used this article. It was the nicotine that they used this most recent one. I'm like the German one, which was looking for actual like harmful things that could be harmful in larger and constant exposure. I mean, for, for somebody who smokes, they have to be exposed to this stuff for decades before it has any health. And they're trying to make it seem like an hour and a half in a movie theater and you're gonna drop dead from a tiny fraction of a whiff off their clothes. And they're, that they're doing that. And, and people are convinced of that this third hand smoke is an actual threat to public health. And I, they're going to use it to discriminate against anybody who used nicotine. And that was what I found was interesting is my take on this is that this is a direct attempt to lay the groundwork for prejudice and, and discriminatory practices against anybody who uses nicotine products because even you, they don't want us to use the argument. Well, it's only I'm only harming myself. Or I'm I'm the only one taking the risk. They're trying to make it that you're still a risk to everybody else, and that's my take on this. I mean that that right there is the basis of so many, uh, you know, smoke free laws uh, around the country. Here is that you know this isn't something you're not just harming yourself. You're putting everyone else at risk, especially when you're sitting outside on a windy day on a park bench. Yeah everyone is at risk you know yeah. it's, it, it that really no is safe level thing is such not grounded in evidence baloney it, it's and it's a it's 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 one of those tactics that they use and you guys got to watch out for that stuff because it may seem like oh it's that's not too unreasonable you know this article a lot of vapors probably would have read it and been like oh it's about smoking it's about people who smoke it has nothing to do with me i'm a vapor no they're laying the groundwork they're going to use this against us too they're going to try it they're going to try to they already have yeah so no, yeah, this 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 third hand smoke thing has been around for a while. Um, and, um, you know, I think this has even gotten in. I, I don't know if Carl or somebody had written sort of a um, almost almost satirical blog post about the dangers of fourth hand smoke, um, which is really just thinking or talking about tobacco. Um, and I have I. I can't say I've done an exhaustive search through the literature on studies on this, but I do remember early on looking at some of the, the studies that were sort of the basis of, of previous articles about third hand smoke. And it, there is I there I don't recall seeing any evidence to support harm. I, there's nothing like even to kids, like if your kids are, are rolling around on the floor and licking the carpet, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of other things that you yeah. should be worried about. I, I mean, people uh, use those air fresheners. Yeah, kids lick all sorts of things. Air yeah, fresheners. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, my, the least of my about. worries is like, you know, nanograms of nicotine somewhere, uh, as opposed to all of the other things that they could end up, you know, for like licking. Like kids lick, they shove toys in their mouths. They, you know. My Good dog, Lord. my unfortunately, we just lost my dog about two weeks ago. She lived to 14 years and eight months. And I know, thank you. It was it was hard. It was very ugh, heartbreaking. But um, she, we've vaped in the house since we've had her. 
and she lived to four, she had no cancer, you know, she just died of being old, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, and she didn't, and, you know, we actually finally had to put her down because she was having some seizures, but she was 14, boxers lived to 10 to 12 years. She was 14 years and eight months. So if, if being around our house and being around this vapor was deadly for her, you know, I mean, same thing with my daughter. She's 15. She's grown up pretty much most of her life. We've vaped around and, you know, it's, it's, I mean, much like these third hand smoke studies, I'll just do some back of the envelope science here and say vaping actually helps your pets live longer based on your probably your yeah than so. smoking around them yeah and and the thing is is that they this i've looked at some of the studies they're almost all because they can't they can't do it they can't go around and have little kids licking windows with nicotine on them and smoke residue right so it's it's as much as they probably like to because they'd be like look what's doing to kids um but it's it's all it's all petri dish crap you know, it's all putting the stuff in the Petri dish. It's animal studies, stuff like that, that massive amounts and stuff. It's, but it's mostly how it affects the cells. And it's like, but we're talking about such tiny, tiny exposures that like somebody in the, in the chat said earlier, you're going to find that in urban air. You know, if it's like that meme I had for Casa that one time that had somebody sitting at a, it was a picture of a bus stop with the exhaust coming out of the bus stop and billowing into the, the shelter thing right there. And I'm like, good thing that they banned vaping in this town, you know, because people are getting more exposure to toxins just by walking around outside in, in any kind of urban area. And a lot of times in there, um, yeah, there you go. Exactly, exactly. Janine says, uh, a fellow I was standing beside at a bus stop got angry with a fellow walking by vaping. Meanwhile, buses stopping and going were belching out black exhaust three feet from him. Exactly. That's the mentality. It's ridiculous. Um, I'll have to share that meme again. I haven't shared that in a while and people like that one. But yeah, it, it's it's just it's just overblowing exaggeration. Everything is everything's gonna kill you type of of attitude. Unless it's sanctioned by whoever they want to be sanctioned by, you know, I mean, it, uh, so, but yeah, third hand smoke is a bunch of baloney. It's, does it exist? Yes. There is residue in people's houses. You can smell it. You, when somebody walks by you and you can smell that they had a cigarette, you're smelling third hand smoke. Is it going to be dangerous to you? No. And they have not shown any science to prove it is other than again, pouring shit on cells. Excuse my language. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I truly believe that um, anti-tobacco and, and nicotine folks really hate the code of ethics because yeah. they would love some studies on, uh, you know, children's brains and all sorts of stuff like that. But that gosh darn code of ethics just gets in the way every time. So we got to rely on Petri dishes. I mean, yeah. you know, we've, we've I, I believe there is documented testimony or or comments along the lines of bemoaning our our first amendment protections here in the United States. So even that, you know, if the, if that, if that pesky constitution weren't getting in the way, we could have yeah. <laughs> completely banned all of this tobacco nonsense long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and thank you everybody for the condolences for Molly. She, that was our Molly. She is such a sweet, sweet girl. She's why we have two other younger boxers now too. Boxers are the best dogs ever. And it was, it was rough. It was the first time my husband had to put a dog to sleep. So it was, almost 15 years. That's <laughs> she's almost as old as our daughter. So, yeah. um, okay. So I think, uh, that's it. Oh, uh, there was one 
somebody, uh, Rog was saying, can we just use the FDA's own research and study saying while inside a vape shop where many were vaping and still came up empty, they can't say it was a big tobacco study. It was the FDA. I, I think that was, um, that. I don't think it was FDA. It, it was a third party. It wasn't an industry right. study, but yeah. it was looking at vape shops in Los Angeles, I believe. I and right. it was, I think, the, I think I, I seem to remember the fire, fire department being involved in that. Uh, and taking readings inside the vape shop and, and comparing it to outdoor air. And, you know, even though in most places your indoor air is, is probably just as bad as the outdoor, if not worse. Uh, but in L.A., in vape shops, the air is cleaner in a vape shop than it is outside. <laughs> and that's that, funny because that's the same study. There was some there was another study where they got called out because they were saying, oh, we're finding all these contaminants in the vapor. And then later on, they were like, oh, wait, that's in the air. <laughs> You know, like, oh, yeah, and that was a lab study, you know, yeah. so yeah, it, but it, I mean, there is residue. I mean, I know, like, in my car, my car windows can get pretty bad, it, you know, sometimes after I mean, it takes a long time, but you, you know, I have to, windshield, you know, I have to clean it off with some Windex. And, but I mean, again, Yes, it does exist. There is third-hand smoke. The question is whether or not it's actually a danger to anybody. And I don't think if you had any product on the market that had the levels that they find in this third-hand smoke of these toxins and stuff, it would be generally, it'd be grass. It'd be generally regarded as safe because the levels are so low that they, they wouldn't be able. To, so if it was a product that was, you know, nicotine gum or something like that, and they found that these levels in the nicotine gum, Tobacco control would have no problem with it, you know, because there's such low levels. So I know I have that particular study bookmarked and I, I was looking for it really quick. But you guys, my bookmark folder is I know mine's bad. <laughs> awful. Uh, oh, right here. An assessment of a. Uh, an assessment of indoor air quality before, during and after unrestricted use of e-cigarettes in a small room. Um, this was May of 2015. Um, so yeah, here it is. I believe this is that, I believe this is that study. Um, are you posting it in chat? Oh, you're, are you going to, what are you doing? I can, I can share it. I was just going to read the conclusions really quick, but I can absolutely, uh, share it, but let's see, copy. Why is it that? You guys definitely that. check out Dr. Radu's post. I will. Did you share the link to Dr. Radu's while I was talking? No, but I can okay. also do that as well. I'll, no, I, I'll do it. You know, well, yeah, that's fine. You can do it. But I, I will definitely put it in the uh, in the description on Monday when I do the description thing. And apparently last week I have to redo that because everything I did last Monday disappeared for some reason. Um, so I apologize if people were looking for stuff while I was in the in last week's. Um, it says here, our data indicate that exposure of bystanders to the chemicals in the exhaled e-cigarette aerosol at the levels measured within our study are below current regulatory standards that are used for workplaces or general indoor air quality. These findings support the conclusions of other researchers that have stated there is no apparent risk to bystanders from exhaled e-cigarette aerosols. It's very, very similar to the conclusions um, from a study that CASA helped to fund back in, was it 2012, 2013, uh, Peering Through the Mist um, yes. by Igor Burstyn. Um, so yeah, that there's some foundational research into that as well. 
which is wild. No if there's no apparent risk to bystanders within a small room, poorly ventilated, whatever, uh, you know, and lots of people vaping in it. I don't know how we get to this great risk of people sitting outside on park benches with fresh air and wind blowing. You don't. The only the only argument in favor, the only argument to support outdoor vaping or smoking or tobacco bans is simply as part of it is, of course, uh, what Kristen noted of, of, you know, demonizing people who use tobacco products, but also um, this idea that we are it's stranger danger is essentially what it comes down to that seeing a, a, a stranger, a non-family member in a park smoking cigarettes might inspire an entire generation to become addicted to nicotine, um, which is not, that's not how, that's not how it works. Um, yeah. Or cigarette butts. They try to blame cigarette butts too. I mean, yeah, was, if you want to make a law about that. littering, like fine, I get it. And, you know, I, and I used to strip my butts when I was, when I smoked, um, cause the cigarette butts are all over, all over the place. They don't break down. It takes, you know, years to break down the filter material. So strip your butt, throw it in a trash can. Um, well, I the funny thing, that, but you know, the funny thing is, is that they you know, they, they talk about how much litter, you know, it, 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 it and I'm not going to, I'm not downplaying. I mean, I've seen birds eating them and stuff. I mean, it is not good. And please, so do be courteous with your cigarette butts um, and get, and put paws. them where they belong in the trash and your, you know, and then yeah, put them in the trash. Um, man, my husband used to do that. I was constantly cleaning out cigarette butts out of his pockets when he threw them down in the laundry. Um, but so, yeah, so don't litter. But by the same token, they like to say how how the, the cigarette butts fill landfills and stuff like that and how it's horrible for kids. Well, then I had to laugh because I've had three kids. I've used disposable diapers. I looked them up and that's why I switched to cloth diapers because disposable diapers take up way more room so kids are probably littering way more than smokers are not probably you know by we should probably ban children <laughs> right oh gosh i mean that's a pretty big health disaster i mean right if there. we do ban children you will uh inevitably avoid the avoid the next generation of nicotine <laughs> uh you know addicted youth um, if there are no children to get addicted we'll on nicotine, then argument. boom, you know, we've solved the problem. Like that's we'll use any argument, any argument to, to justify it. And, and the no safe level is one that they love going back to over and over again. And it's so hypocritical because nicotine gum is there's no safe, safe level of nicotine gum. There's no safe level of nicotine patches. There's no safe level you know none of going to therapy isn't safe if you're getting in a car or walking you know there's no safe level of going to get smoking cessation you know you know bird watching bird watching can be pretty dangerous yeah i could fall out of a tree no, i'm just <laughs> i mean yeah. i mean you could be you could be attacked by a flock of seagulls it's just a stupid argument. It's it's this whole no safe level. Just a stupid, stupid argument. All right. Well, I know Kristen, you you're going to have to you're going to have to share that article because I can't find it. No, that's I fine. I'll put it in the our, I'll put it in, in the description on Monday and or I'll try to see if I can find it now. But yeah, I'll, I will share all my articles. But okay. we can go ahead and do the deep dive because I know you've got things you got to get to. You got that. Are you are are we ready? Has everyone meant. has everyone donned their their swimwear for this deep dive? do it. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, break out your snorkels and scuba gear because we're diving deep. Yeah. Oh, look is at that, Alex. Is that, that how it goes from the 80s? Is that That's the cool. dance move? 
Uh, yes. So, Alex, what are we uh, what are we diving into this week? Well, I think we're diving into the hornet's nest here. So, um, Ooh, you guys actually may want a different suit than other than a scuba suit. You may want like a what is that? The what do they call? There's just, a there's a name, right? Like a I don't know, full verse. body Tyvek thing, duct tape around your wrists and right. neck and all that stuff. And yeah, um, yeah let's go, let's go, <clears throat> let's go deal with the bees. Um, what do we got here? So. Um, for those who were paying attention to the Twitters and probably, I think it was all over the place. Um, yeah. Um, the Biden administration, uh, I guess this was an H8 or this is a SAMHSA, uh, grant. Um, uh, this is, I'll just, I got the page up here. So this is, this is what everybody has been freaking out about this, uh, $30 million, uh, allocated to, uh, harm reduction programs. Uh, which includes putting together, uh, I believe, what people have been referring to as safe smoking kits. Uh, and in these kits, um, you have things like alcohol swabs and clean um, they're long stems. They're, they're diff there's different names for them. And I'm trying to avoid, of course, uh, the headline that was uh, used here, but um, crack pipes, um, which can also be used to smoke other things. But uh, we know them colloquially as crack pipes. Um, and, you know, a lot of the outrage here was um, it, it's, it is really kind of interesting to hear, uh, you know, well, anybody honestly reacting to this. I mean, it's, it's, it's not surprising to, to hear from uh, people in the more conservative side of things, uh, bringing up arguments like you're just enabling people to continue using. Um, this is not, this isn't making anything safer. Um, you know, when, of course, the reality is that, uh, you know, uh, these are um, safe gear is very much in the same vein as safe supply. Uh, we don't want anybody using drugs that have been adulterated with, um, uh, you know, higher potency chemicals or dangerous chemicals. Um, uh, uh, just look at the if, if your only reference for this is the lung injuries that happened in 2019, that was very much a safe supply issue, consequences of an overregulated or, or prohibition type of environment. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, this is what I think a lot of people who vape probably understand as, as part of this overall harm reduction discussion. And so my goal here is really, I, I don't want to, I, I don't think that we are doing anybody any favors by, um, uh, you know, calling out people. I, this isn't kind of a, we, we don't need to, um, you know, get crappy with, with folks here, but, um, you know, I, I think the effort here and, and on, you know, for our, for our part, it has been to try to kind of bridge this gap between tobacco harm reduction and drugs harm reduction. Uh, and there are skeptics on there. Are, there are skeptics and people who are resistant on both sides. Um, and I, I will say, as, as as someone pointed out on Twitter uh, last week, or maybe it was the week before, um, that you know from the very beginning, the folks in the drugs harm reduction space uh, have excluded tobacco harm reduction. Uh, and and generally speaking, among drugs, um, tobacco seems to be siloed off uh, because of really just the behavior of tobacco companies. 
Um, but nicotine is legality also plays a, a role in that as well. Yeah, it's legal. Yeah, it's uh, it, legality, it is a legal product. Um, you know, uh, immediate uh, causes of concern, criminality. I think there are things that separate, uh, right. you know, tobacco from other drugs. And as far as harm reductionists are concerned, uh, and they're valid points. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're asking the question here: Who doesn't deserve harm reduction? Right. Um, at the end of the day, we still are losing 8 million people globally a year uh, to smoking related death, disease, things like that. Um, so, I mean, nicotine in itself is a drug uh, and smoking combustible cigarettes is absolutely the most harmful delivery system of this drug. Um, so, like, the, I understand the, the, the nuance here and in the, in the difference between, um, you know, senses of urgency regarding uh, people smoking tobacco and people uh, injecting illicit street, uh, whatever it is at this point, you know, could be anything. Um, fentanyl is the, is the biggest thing out in the, you know, the, the, the market right now. But I, I, I get the, cons you know, I get that, that there, there's differences, that the senses of urgency, criminality, um, the, the socioeconomic differences, the racial disparities here, all of these things that are, are tied between the drug war and, you know, this, this with smoking disparities. But at the end of the day, we're all worthy of harm reduction. We're all deserving of using uh, a substance without the consequence of, of death because of that. Yeah, I, uh, I and I, I kind of, I, I might be jumping to a conclusion here, but I, I did want to um, share, I, I don't have the tweet lined up here, but um, uh, Sheila Vakari or Vakaria, um, I think did a really excellent job of, she's at my harm reduction on the Twitters. Um, and, uh, I think she did a really good job of articulating this in a very, and actually a very brief thread. This is actually a very simple concept, but part of, and, and I, and I, I, I will preface this by saying, if you've ever worked in a vape shop, I think you automatically can understand what I'm about to say and what, and, and what Sheila explained. Yes, there is a benefit to providing clean, new, uh, smoking implements for people Multiple. who use crack or, or methamphetamine or, or whatever you want to smoke. Uh, and, and what this does is it, it, you know, people will smoke these, these, these products out of anything they can get their hands on. Uh, if you, I, John Stewart used it in one of his stand-up jokes a long time ago was, uh, you know, pushing back on the whole gateway theory about, you know, marijuana leading to, to other drugs. Uh, and, and he said, you know, look, if, if smoking pot is a gateway to anything, it's a gateway to carpentry. Because when we all started smoking pot, uh, I had several friends who, you know, it was sort of like who can build the best bong. Sure. Uh, oh, what can yeah. you build a pipe out of? And that same kind of I need to build something in order to smoke this product that goes through everything. Anything you can smoke, if it's if it's a drug, especially if it's an illegal drug, people will, you know, they will. Uh, uh, improvise and they will come up with uh, uh, smoking implements that aren't, aren't great for them. And so when you're talking about, especially glass pieces, people are cutting their lips and they're sharing it with people. They're spreading disease, just like the whole needle exchange programs. It's very important for people to have access to clean gear. So they're not further spreading other communicable diseases. Uh, and that is absolutely in line with, with harm reduction principles. The other part about this that, that Sheila gets into in her tweet, thank you, Kristen, for putting that up, um, is that when, 
you know, when we can bring people into a setting where they have access to safe supply and safe gear or, or clean gear, that's, that's a touch point for social workers and for public health. And so what I was saying about the vape shop is we all, I hope that we have all experienced that, that, that experience of walking into a vape shop and having a conversation with a knowledgeable person who can guide us through the products, guide us through the setup, asks, ask and, and answer some questions from, for us uh, about, you know, how much we smoke, what's, what's the best liquid, what's the best nicotine concentration going to be, what kind of device is going to work well for me. That, that moment of just human to human, like we're both on the same level, man, and we can help each other out is very, very important. And so being able to use this safe supply of drugs and gear, bring people into this setting and have those human to human conversations with people means that folks who are taking advantage of that service are going to be more likely to seek help to either quit using drugs altogether or learn how to use them in, a, in an adult way or in a, in a responsible way, the whole set and setting thing. Uh, that is possible. We don't get that by continuing to alienate people and, and pushing them to margins of society. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, absolutely, you know, a lot of parallels here. There, there's, there's really no difference in, in, in what's going on in the drug harm reduction space and what's going on in tobacco harm reduction, other than issues of legality, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I, the first thing I want to point about, out about all of this is uh, the media really chose to highlight this in particular uh, and, and, and reiterate the word crack pipe. Um, they, they chose this for a reason, and that reason is racism. This is to drum up the, the you know, uh, the crack crisis, if you will. Um, and that, that's, that's just blatantly obvious, I think, to anybody who's been paying attention. But that's, that's really the reason why we chose to hone in on crack pipes. Uh, and funny enough, most of the articles that are coming out that use these stock images to show crack pipes, more often than not, those are methamphetamine pipes. Those are bowls. Uh, crack pipes are, are more typically known as straights or straight pipes. Uh, a good word for people to use out there other than crack pipes is just clean pipes. Or if you're knowledgeable enough to know the difference between these drugs and the pipes that people use them in, uh, sure, uh, straights would be, a, would be a good term. Uh, crack is typically smoked out of a straight pipe um, with, a, with a mesh kind of filter uh, in it, um, not, a, not a bowl. So when you see those bowls like that, and you go, oh, it's a crack pipe. No, it's, it's most likely used for meth, not crack. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. As far as preventing um, uh, diseases like Hep C, HIV, blood-borne, blood-transmitted, blood-to-blood transmitted diseases because of sores, burns, cuts, um, you know, people sharing these things. Uh, these smoking kits do also tend to provide mouthpieces as well, uh, whether they're rubber hoses or something that goes over the end of it. Uh, so that way, if people are sharing the same pipe, they can at least avoid that by using their own mouthpiece. Um, I don't see it talked about a lot, but I did not realize that there another one is um, pathogens, bacteria that actually causes heart disease. Sure. Yeah. I, I, that surprised me. I didn't, I have heard about the hep C and the HIV, but I mean, you literally can get, there's bacteria that cause endo, endo something or other. I'd have to look it up again, but it's a, it's a kind of heart disease that you can get from this bacteria that's getting passed around. 
Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the One of the things that really uh, kind of sticks in my craw over all of this is that this this $30 million for funding, we talked about safe uh, smoking kits, uh, not only did HHS do a really quick about face because of uh, basically this this really quick smear campaign uh, ran against people who use drugs and people who smoke crack, um, but that this funding is still going towards needle exchange programs. So this isn't a matter of distributing uh, and funding, uh, you know, gear for people. This is particularly excluding people who smoke crack. Um, and disproportionately higher, that tends to be our black community. Uh, so this is a direct shot. This this is a direct shot at the black community um, at large. This is this is really a this is really a matter of racism here. Uh, at the end of the day, um, another thing that not only does providing uh, these these you know these these clean pipes to people do just like with needle exchange programs, uh, when people come in to to get their their gear. They're also at a place where they can, you know, get access to or receive information about treatment services and other services, healthcare uh, that they can get access to that they wouldn't otherwise. Uh, especially people who are, you know, uh, if you've been stigmatized to the point where you don't want to go actively seek healthcare because you're in fear of being criminalized because of your drug use, uh, you're not going to go to places, other places that are going to provide you with this information and this kind of help. Uh, harm reduction services are going to provide you with that kind of help and that kind of information as well. Um, there was another point I wanted to make. Oh, smoking tends to be, as far as you know, uh, routes of administration for drugs are concerned, safer than injecting. Uh, another thing that providing people with pipes Ironically. does is to encourage people to smoke as opposed to inject. Uh, and there's a, it's a much safer route of administration as far as um, how people use drugs. Uh, there are other types of pipes out there that are more specific towards things like heroin as well. Uh, so yeah, clean, uh, sterile, uh, non-broken gear, things like this um, are absolutely harm reduction and they are crucial to um, getting people into a better place. Um, you know, no, no matter what, uh, any positive change in someone's life, especially regarding drug use, should be celebrated. Uh, so someone using, somebody switching from, you know, something as simple as someone switching from, you know, dented, beat down, punctured Coca-Cola cans to using a clean and sterile pipe and mouthpiece and 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 all of this, this is absolutely harm reduction. And it's, and it's crucial right now, especially right now in the midst of, of an overdose crisis where we've lost over a hundred thousand Americans in the last year. That's just Americans. That's just this country. The overdose crisis is worldwide. Um, so, so striking these things out uh, is is really um, it's really heartbreaking from HHS. But I don't think a lot of people uh, who are familiar with HHS and their their deep love for harm reduction are surprised um, by any of this. You know. And I don't, I mean, did they really even, because it wasn't really specified what had to be in the kits. There was a, you know, a list of things that could and that, be. And that's why they were able to do this really quickly and just say, you know, without question, um, saying, no, these were never intended to contain this. But typically, typically, if you were to go to any harm reduction service that's providing, um, you know, safer smoking kits, they include pipes. Yeah, for for smoking kits, yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah. Well, I, you know, if you guys go check my my Twitter at underscore now or no underscore Marsh, um, I'm having a long discussion. Actually, I think it's under Logan's. Look at look at his. It might be. Um, I left that conversation yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> Poor Logan's getting all these notifications because I've been going back and forth with somebody on the thread who is saying that that's not that handing out clean pipes is not harm reduction and that that for us as tobacco harm reductionists to support this sort of thing, um, we're crying wolf and we're making less we're, we're, it's making us less credible um, because we support that because it's not real harm reduction because vaping reduces uh, 95% of the harm, which, you know, unfortunately he doesn't understand what that five other 5% actually means. Cause, and I could hook him up with Carl Phillips to fill him in on it. Um, but uh, he, he doesn't understand that, but because vaping reduces or, you know, removes the, the main part of the harm. And it's his contention that the main part of doing crack is doing crack. And I've tried everything. And I, I'm saying he, it could be a she, I'm, I'm assuming by the name, it's a he. And I apologize if they watch the show later on, it's an I'm a she. Um, but, um, and I've gone back and forth with them trying to explain that this is not, it's like with vaping, that vaping is, is reducing the harm from the delivery system. You know, it's not reducing the harm of nicotine because nicotine doesn't have much of a harm. And, and his point is, well, you know, crack does have harm. And when I've asked back, you know, well, what kind of harm does it have besides being um, addicted? Did you, okay, Skip says, did you see Helen's, Helen Redmond's tweet that the services that hand out supplies to keep people using drugs safer should also be handing out vapor kits for those who smoke. I don't think I, oh, maybe I did see that one. I, I, I saw that. that. I didn't mean to throw that up there to interrupt you. I just, yeah. I, I wanted to get it before it went away so that we could at least acknowledge it. Um, but, uh, but the thing is, is that this whole attitude that it's not reducing enough harm, you know, I, that's what it seems to be that, that he's saying is that, well, this is an ancillary harm. This, this is not ancillary harm. This is not, um, the main harm. It's not reducing the main harm. The, and so thereby it means that it, you're not, you're not getting a net harm reduction. You're not getting a real benefit from it. And no matter what I've thrown at him, I've said, look, you know, one in 10 new HIV cases are from people using illicit drugs. One in three of hep C cases or hep C deaths is from, you know, not having clean supplies. Uh, 50% of HIV, hep C combined cases, again, are from, are linked back to drug use. So, you know, from, from, from the delivery, from these things happening, and now most of this is going to be from needles, but, but it's, that's the same philosophy in my mind, you know, he's just arguing about the pipe and, and, and I've tried to say, well, do you really think that people, if you, if you don't give them a clean crack pipe, they're not going to do crack. I mean, I don't, and, and, and he's, and, and it turns out that he actually was addicted to crack and he was saying that his mom gave him money. Um, and, you know, she thought maybe that would keep him from robbing things or whatever instead. And I'm, and I'm like, well, that's a completely different thing. Did, and I tried to ask him, well, did not have to, to not, did not having access to a clean crack pipe keep you from doing crack? You know, you're still not reducing, you, you're talking, you're choosing between zero, zero harm reduction or reducing the harm of, 
something's associated with the addiction, even though you're not getting rid of the complete addiction. And he just was not getting this. And I, and I was going to try to, you know, I don't know if he's answered me yet or not, but I had said to him, do you think that, um, and he really thinks that we're harming tobacco harm reduction by supporting this. And, and I, you know, and I, so I said, well, do you think seatbelts are a valid thing to call harm reduction? And he kind of got snarky with me and stuff. And where I was going with that was that, you know, his, his contention that, well, 95% of the harm is, you know, you're addressing the actual thing that causes the harm with vaping and you're not doing that. Yeah, but so does, so does gums and lozenges and, and all of these other products right. as well, you know, it's. And so, you know, I was going to say to him, well, seatbelts only reduce about 45% of the deaths caused by cars. You know, it's got, it's it, it, the risk. I mean, it's only, it's only 45%. It's not 95%. It's most people think it's like a lot more than that, but it's only 45%. Oh, yeah. And seatbelts do not do anything about the underlying cause of people distracted driving, looking at their, at their phones or drinking alcohol and drunk driving. It doesn't do anything to stop that cause, the worst behavior, the thing that actually causes the accidents, which is the worst thing. It only addresses, and it's, you know, a side thing, you know, basically that, that you can help, you know, being flung from the car, you know, you could still die even with your seatbelt on, you know, but it, it takes one part of that and reduces the harm of that happening, but it doesn't stop the thing that's causing it. It's the same thing. Harm reduction does, he's basically saying it needs to be abstinence and he doesn't understand why this is actually bad he's actually supporting anti-thr stuff by doing this and one of the things that i point was going to point out was this article that i also is also in our um in our blog post this week was uh i don't know how to pronounce her name but ella <laughs> over at business world online i think it is she, she starts off so well. She's talking about harm reduction or harm promotion, prostitution, drugs, and the nicotine addiction. And she goes into how harm reduction is great. And it's so funny because she actually supports needles, um, you know, clean needles and things like that and says, this is good. This is real harm reduction. This is what we should be doing it. Um, sex work, prostitution, decriminalizing things. Uh, if you get down here, you know, you know, and she lives in the Philippines where, you know, you could end up dying in prison just from being addicted to something or being caught with something. I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's because she says, because of, uh, I don't know how to say his name, the president. Duarte. Duarte. It is Duarte? I believe okay. it's Duarte. I believe it's Duarte. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, I am sharing my screen right now, right? Um, and it says, uh, she's talking about how the war against drugs has turned into a war against the poor. Most civilians killed or targeted in anti-drug op you know, operations come from poor families. Uh, he's acknowledged that you know, he hasn't solved the drug problem. A harm reduction strategy would have recognized that drug use could not be eliminated. And the important realistic goal would have been to substantially reduce the harm from drug abuse. This could be done by having good healthcare and treatment facilities, having access to safer alternatives, for example, giving clean and safe needles to those already hooked on opioids. Okay, so here is somebody who supports kind of what I was trying to tell this guy. But still, even doing that, even with that, she still comes back and talks about, and I pulled this quote out here, she talks about uh, a verifiable study says that these provisions in the bill, because they were just trying to pass that vaping bill, 
have the intention of enticing the non-smokers, especially the youth, to purchase and vape products. For instance, e-juices and vapes sold online are categorized under toys, games, and collectibles, um, section on e-commerce websites. Another indication that vaping is mainly targeted to non-smokers is the fact that some of these e-juice flavors, such as bubblegum, marshmallow, and Yakult, which must be a Filipino flavor, um, are being advertised as beginner friendly. Recall that the harm reduction is meant to minimize. Here's the she's making the same art, argument, and I, I'm hoping he's going to watch this because she is making the same argument against vapes that he's making against crack pipes. Okay. Recall that harm reduction is meant to minimize adverse effects, and in this case, those associated with nicotine addiction. Introducing vaping to non-smokers or enticing them to do so cannot be called harm reduction. Vaping-related injuries are well-documented, she goes with Evali. Uh, yet legislators endorse vape use by relaxing the regulations. The vape bill is far from harm reduction for this strategy. It is the reason that medical associations want him to veto the bill. So, so she's essentially, even though she gets it all, she gets it with, with the drugs and the prostitution and all that kind of stuff, she still can't get it. She can't go there for vaping. And he needs to understand that. But every time... <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Um, but yeah, so so we need to understand that supporting this kind of harm reduction for things like crap pipes and stuff like that is not undermining THR. If anything, by not supporting it, you're undermining THR because you're supporting position like positions like hers, where she gets all the rest of it, and I unfortunately a lot of other, you know harm reduction people in the drug sphere, the non-nicotine drug sphere kind of go along that way too. Um, but they're coming around, but that's the way she sees it. She still hears Ivali. She looks at the risk of she, and that's the point I try to make with him too, is that we eventually, if everybody quits smoking with vaping and nobody buys cigarettes anymore because they want to vape, well, now you've got people who have that 5% risk from vaping who never smoke. Where's the harm reduction? So he can't even make that argument. So to say that somebody that it's not real harm reduction is just ridiculous. It, it is harm reduction. You're reducing the harm of HIV, of Hep C, of heart disease. You know, I, I, uh, something that you've said a lot, something that Kasa has said a lot is, um, you know, we, we, in advocating in support of tobacco harm reduction. Um, you know, we have to be careful about the the arguments that we use. And a lot of times that that particular observation is at um, is directed at using things like the CDC numbers about how many people die from smoking uh, or the effects of secondhand smoke. And what happens when we reference bad research or bad numbers or, or you know, overblown numbers, whatever you want to look at it, we're validating that. And so to pick up that, you know, uh, those anti-drug arguments and, and this, this whole thing about addiction being the source of harm, uh, it, it really is validating all the bad things they say about THR, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's not helpful. So, I mean, to your point, um, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, it's, it's the other way around here. Uh, not supporting this is doing the most damage. I think you've said that already, but you know yeah. the, the arguments that this person is is presenting on Twitter are actually doing more damage to tobacco harm reduction. Yeah, and he just doesn't get it. And I did, and you know, he he, I saw that he sort of uh, went and looked at my account, and started making 
comments about, you know, where I live and stuff like that. And, you know, I live in a rural area where hands. <laughs> what's that? I think you've got a troll on your hands. I don't know. But well, I mean, he admitted that, you know, he had done done crack himself. And I think I think he's kind of got that and that I quit smoking sort of thing that you see in people who quit smoking and they get so they end up hating on smokers and smoking and big tobacco and blaming other people. And, you know, I kind of snuck a peek at his account to see what kind of stuff he was tweeting. He's very like you said about the right wing or no, did, they, did Logan, you know, kind of that right wing attitude. And um, so that didn't surprise me then. And, but the fact that he himself had been a meth addict, that was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, and, and getting money from your mom is not the same thing as getting a clean pipe, getting money from yeah. your mom. Yeah. might keep you from robbing something, but you know, it's not going to keep you from doing the drug, but the point isn't the, the whole point of vaping we get this all the time from people saying, and then there's another tweet that I shared with the Kasa thing where it was somebody in Kenya who was saying switching isn't quitting. Mm -hmm. And, and I went on, yes, it is, you know, and it's all about the addiction. And, you know, if you're, if and there was, I think there was two this, this week, there's a lot of that around. Um, but it was a doctor who said, you know, the addiction, you're just swapping one, you know, addictive substance for another. And that's, that's what they see with us. And so for you to, to turn around and say, well, you know, give him a crack pipe isn't eliminating the addiction. Now you're talking about, about abstinence. You're not, oh, that's what she said. She said the best, the best harm reduction was quitting everything. And it's yeah, like, that's not harm reduction. That's, that's abstinence. <laughs> and that's the same thing people are saying. And that's, and that's something I think the, I think I left it with him asking him, well, what would you consider a harm reduction thing for crack? for smoking crack. What would you consider harm reduction for smoking crack? And I'm, I'm willing to bet, I haven't checked, but I'm willing to bet he came back with, well, quitting, you know, or getting him therapy or, you know, getting him into rehab. That's Mandatory rehabilitation. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's abstinence. That is not harm reduction. You know, that's not, you're not, I read, you're not a, um, I, read a, I read a really great quote the other day that said something along the lines of harm reduction includes abstinence but abstinence does not include harm reduction. Um, and abstinence works for a lot of people. There are a lot of people who um, that that's, that's their best bet. Um, but that's not everybody. Uh, your, un, your truth is not the universal truth. And I think that's something that a lot of people need to remember and, and, and com, harm reduction in itself uh, is radical love for for each other, for people in general. And I think harm reduction is just an, an incredibly beautiful thing. Um, a few key points that I do want people to, to, to think about here is um, crack and cocaine are the same drug. They are literally the same molecule. Uh, they are taken differently. Uh, powder co cocaine tends to be snorted. Uh, crack cocaine uh, tends to be smoked. Uh, one of the biggest differences here, though, at least in this country, is um, the the difference in our criminal system around these two substances. And the demographic. Uh, our current president was instrumental in writing some of those harsh, terribly draconian drug laws around uh, the difference in crack and powdered cocaine, even though both blacks, whites and people of of, uh, you know, every background tend to use drugs, including cocaine at the same rates. Uh the laws were written, at least initially, Obama did do some work to, to drop those uh, differences, but it was originally 100 to 1. 
um, as far as concerning one gram uh, penalty for one gram of cocaine uh, would be the, the penalty for 100 grams of um, yeah, crack cocaine. There's there's a little more nuance there than I'm able it to was describe. The numbers, it was fear mongering. It was reefer madness. Number side of this, but there's disproportionately a massive difference in the way that we charge people for essentially the exact same drug. Um, and and yes, this was absolutely used against communities of color who were hit harder by um, you know the the, the crack crisis. Um, and that's not because blacks and whites use them at different rates. It simply um, was to effectively you know incarcerate more black people. Um, yeah, th this whole thing uh, about crack pipes, this whole discourse is really disgusting, to say the least. Uh, and the, the reactions from a lot of people online uh, have just been abhorrent and, and um, lack any sense of empathy and compassion for other people. And it's, it's really difficult to watch, um, which is why over the last week, um, I was really vocal um on twitter about this because you know I, I give a shit about people um regardless of the drugs that they use um and i think most of us it, well not most of us all of us uh should be the same way um but these are these are proven these are evidence-based proven strategies that not only reduce harm save lives um but they they make every everybody safer your entire community is safer with with policies that that you know distribute clean needles and clean hardware clean pipes um harm reduction like this just saves lives it doesn't enable uh anything other than life that's what harm reduction does that's what your your vapor product does your e-cigarette that's what clean needles do that's what clean pipes do um yeah it's it's been a really uh, tough week watching people hate people because uh, that's what this comes down to. This isn't, you know, that's that's what this comes down to. You know, human beings have been using drugs since the dawn of time. Um, and that's something that we need to acknowledge. And that's what harm reduction acknowledges. Um, acknowledges. And it's it's difficult. Like, I, I, people who are opposed to harm reduction, my question is, why are you anti-human? <laughs> you know, why are you why are you against humans? What what what's the issue here? Um, and, you know. This idea of hard drugs, soft drugs, dangerous drugs. I heard, I saw a comment in chat about dangerous drugs. The thing that makes drug use dangerous are the policies around drug use, the illegality of drugs, the lack of regulation, the lack of safe supply, the lack of harm reduction services. Um, those are the things that make drug use the most dangerous. Are there inherent dangers uh, and risks associated with drugs themselves? Yes, absolutely. But they are, they are, uh, they're magnified tenfold, a hundredfold because of the policies around them. Um, that's what makes drug use so dangerous, not the drugs themselves. Right. Not, we look, not, alcohol is a great example of this. Uh, alcohol is considered, if we look at you know the, the risks of, of drugs out there, alcohol is actually one of the most dangerous drugs that exists. Uh, but why are you know, why are we not losing 100,000 plus people a year to alcohol? It's because it's regulated, because we have a safe supply. I uh, I don't want to take away from, I feel like we should just end it there, but I did want to end, ask, I did want to answer one question from the chat um, yeah, from, from Mallory. I, I believe maybe this is a, a, a rhetorical question because I think a lot of us already know the answer to this, but in case folks are wondering, 
uh, Mallory Gates's question is the FDA approved the very low nicotine content cigarette that reduces nicotine in cigarettes. Is this harm reduction? And I think this it's it's there's a nuanced answer here. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So, you know, on one hand, I think and I've said that we've said this before, um, you know, in the marketplace, the availability of lower nicotine content cigarettes, I think, is perfectly fine. If people who smoke want to switch, if they understand how nicotine works and understand that they can reduce their consumption and maybe reduce their dependence uh, and still get the cigarette experience that they enjoy, absolutely. I think people should have that access to lower nicotine content cigarettes. But what the FDA is doing, this authorization is part of a paternalistic top-down top down, uh, intervention, coercive intervention, that will force all cigarettes to be minimally or non-addictive uh, in terms of the nicotine content in them. Laying the groundwork. So it's it's in in the context of what FDA is seeking to do. No, it is not harm reduction. It is just more browbeating and, of course, uh, more fuel on the fire for underground markets. Um, and of course, it's it's still a cigarette. It's all the harm and none of the none of the pleasure. Right. I mean, it it does. Okay, and it's part to understand. I think we talked about this last time on Bazan. Is that they did not get authorization to say that their product reduces harm. Okay, it does not reduce harm. It reduces exposure, exposure. and the exposure it reduces is nicotine. So that's why it's very nuanced. It doesn't reduce carcinogens. It doesn't reduce CO two. It doesn't reduce any of the other toxic chemicals, if you want to call it that, or any of the other stuff. It just reduces exposure to nicotine. So. That's not yeah. harm reduction. That's reduced exposure. Now, they claim that by people using these, one, kids who use these, won't, and again, this all comes down to every cigarette has to be VLN, um, and that's what this is laying the groundwork for. They had to make it look like it was a good thing, a good idea to have everything be made VLN. But um, So they claim that this will keep kids from ever getting addicted. So 10, 15, 20 years down the line, when all of the old people who smoke die off, then we'll have this utopia of nobody addicted to nicotine. Ha. Um, so that's that's their harm reduction view of things is that that's how they're reducing harm. They're reducing future harm, not harm to the individual at this point. And that the only claim they're supposed to make is that nicotine exposure is reduced, clearly, because there's no, you know, it's barely any nicotine in there. But- yeah. I, sorry, I, I gotta I gotta correct something here. The claim that they are actually being authorized to use is actually a therapeutic claim. Uh, it it says that using these cigarettes can help you reduce your consumption of nicotine. Right. That's, yeah. That's not a, yeah. that's not an exposure claim. That's that's actually saying therapy, um, yeah, which I, the true. FDA has gotten completely wrong. <clears throat> true, but it's not a reduced harm thing. Yeah, it's not, it's not under any circumstances, it's not harm reduction, future or present. No, and that's funny because the guy on Twitter asked me that same question and I told him, no, it's not harm reduction, (laughs) you know, but it's, but they can make certain claims. And because the anti-nicotine and tobacco zealots have worked so hard to demonize nicotine for so long that the average person will see, oh, reduces nicotine must be safer. It must be reducing harm. It's going to be an uh, uh, unspoken thing. They don't even have to say it. And they know it. They know darn well people will think that that's what the case is. And they're banking on that, in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh, LabWorks saying he doesn't see it that way. 
I'm not sure what that was in response to. I, I think it was in, in response to saying that some people might be able to use it to get off of smoking with. <clears throat> it's about the time yeah. that it came up. No, I, I think I, I think I, I, the, the sort of the scenario I've set up before was sort of like how in vaping we have an option of nicotine strengths. I think if we had a similar setup like that with cigarettes, uh, I, I think that would be beneficial. But it, I, I, I'm probably we may be in a little bit more agreement than than I've done it justice here. It's just that, you know, I, I think if if people understood more uh, about the the risks associated associated with nicotine and instead of thinking of it as nicotine the source of harm uh, i think people may be if if we allow people if we give people the information to make those decisions about nicotine content in their cigarettes then i think it it's it's possible for people to say okay i'm smoking a really high nicotine content cigarette but i want to reduce I'm going to make a conscious effort to, to reduce my dependence or addiction on, on cigarettes. I, I, I can't say because I didn't have that opportunity when I was smoking. I just had, you know, my one nicotine strength cools. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I imagine that people may be able to choose lower nicotine content in cigarettes and get closer. It might you know, that might provide a pathway for people to start using NRT, or it might make transitioning to vaping a little bit easier for people. Um, of course, you know, products have evolved a lot since 2013. By the way, this weekend marks my nine years being smoke free. Um, actually, I think I think yesterday was the official uh, nine year mark. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so, you know, when I switched to vaping, I was still using nicotine gum because the likes weren't doing it for me. Right. I, I had to keep using NRT in order to, to stay off a of cigarette to get the nicotine content I was I was accustomed to. And and really, you know, this is I, I also acknowledge, you know, there are other things about cigarettes that are um, very uh, or addictive or, or habit forming uh, things that keep us coming back to cigarettes. Um, so obviously it doesn't you know, it doesn't take care of any of that. But um, I, I think I, I do think that there is is, you know, uh, I think there's something there. I think I, I really wish research would look into that because, you know, unfortunately, because of the laws that we have, cigarette makers are, aren't actually allowed to state the level of nicotine in their cigarettes because right. it was, it was, it's been twisted and turned into this thing because of everybody's misperceptions about the harm or risk associated with nicotine, stating the nicotine content in cigarettes was viewed as making a modified risk claim. Oh, and the irony. So, yeah. And, and I mean, so here we are again, and, and it's just, it's a big mess, but I, 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 I'm happy to entertain the disagreement on my thoughts on this. And, and like I said, I'm just sort of, um, you know, shooting from the hip here a little bit. I think it would be acceptable from a harm reduction standpoint, just to give people that information, give people that opportunity to choose cigarettes with lower nicotine content, uh, and and those may be people who are motivated or inspired to try to to, to quit, and 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 I think that would be a positive thing. But the top down mandate that, that's I, that's that's not it's not going to work. And and most of the studies, I mean, they did have studies that showed that people there wasn't compensation, people did not smoke more, and we had this conversation last time that they didn't smoke more and such like that. But they had huge dropout rates from the studies. You know, the people are like, screw this, um, and. And it, it was clinical studies. So, I mean, they were, some of them, they were forced to stay in hotels, you know, and they could only get what they got. And 
that makes a difference as to compared to somebody who had, can choose a whole bunch of nicotine stuff. But my, my concern is, is that, okay, this person is trying to step down, which now they can't step down because really they don't know what everything else has. They either have way high nicotine or, or whatever they're using and then very low. So it's a dramatic, almost cold turkey type of thing. And I, and, and yes, this would address that hand to mouth thing and the habit part, because we know it's not just the nicotine was why people keep, you know, I did not after a year after having my kids go back to smoking because I was still addicted to nicotine. Clearly it'd been out of my system for over a year. So there's something else. But the thing is, is that by putting these out there, people are like, oh, I can just use that. I can just keep smoking for another year this low nicotine stuff to help me get off the nicotine instead of doing something like switching to vaping, which immediately takes away the risk and they can still do a step down and know what's in the amounts that they're stepping down to. So this is diverting those people to possibly smoking instead. It may help the few people like my husband who vaping at first, you know, he had to use snooze and vaping at first didn't work for him completely. But who knows, he'd probably still be using those and then using snooze and have a patch on. And, you know, I mean, yeah, that, I just don't like the idea of it. But anyhow, we digress completely from. Yeah, uh, we, we've gotten completely off the rails here and we're keeping. But no, that's not past, harm reduction. That's the time in general. Um, but um, so anyway, um, thanks, everybody, for showing up and participating in our lively discussion uh, throughout the podcast. Logan, you want to take us out? Absolutely. And before we go, I, you know, again, the question was, you know, who doesn't deserve harm reduction? Everyone does. Uh, everyone deserves harm reduction. Um, no matter the and, level. You, you know, as far as um, the way that we look at people, the way that we treat people, um, we see a lot, at least I see a lot, uh, you know, in communities of people who use drugs, uh, the idea of hard drugs, soft drugs, my drugs are better than your drugs, my drug use is better than your drug use. And I think all of that is is something that we desperately need to move away from uh, and replace all of that with a little bit more empathy, love and compassion for each other uh, and our journeys and our struggles, um, you know, cumulatively. It so, yes, matter. we all we all deserve harm reduction, uh, regardless of your your bias or your views. Um, you know, towards drug use and, and people who use drugs. So yes, thank you everybody uh, who showed up, hung out with us today. We appreciate you. Uh, and thanks to, uh, you know, shouting out the replay crew already right here, right out of the gate. Thank you. If you tuned in on the replay, uh, you are equally awesome. Uh, if you have not yet joined CASA, please do. It's absolutely free. Becoming a member costs you zero dollars and zero cents. Uh, you can sign up for all of the uh, amazing calls to action and things like that we put out. Check out Kristen's uh, blog that she works hard on every week where uh, the vast majority of the things that we talk about on this show or you can find uh, links to all the articles and things like that. And while you're on that site and you want to get some cool swag, uh, Danielle Jones has made some incredibly awesome new merch that you can check out, which is a great way outside of uh, donating to CASA to support CASA and our mission. Um the podcast. Sorry, my brain just took a, a, ma a massive <laughs> fart there for a second. The podcast. Uh, this show does get turned into an audio-only podcast and uploaded all over the place, so you can check it out. Uh, check out SoundCloud. Follow us on SoundCloud. That's where we upload to natively, and that's where I get the best analytics. If you're following on other platforms, that's dope, too. But uh, if you have a SoundCloud, check us out on SoundCloud at Casa Media. Follow there. Tune in. Uh, there is two versions that I release every week because I do all the cool, fancy audio editing things. 
Um, uh, there's a shorthand, shorter version with just the legislative rundown. Alex giving us all the need to know, goody good information. In case you got one of those quick commutes, you just you just need to know what's going on. You can check that out, or you can turn into the full episode as well. Um, I think, I think, oh, ooh, ooh, Wednesday. This Wednesday, you guys, is the first Kasa Twitter space. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a Twitter space. Uh, for people that don't know what Twitter spaces are, if you're on Twitter, it's those weird things that come up in purple, like at the top of your app and your screen when people's, their their profile pictures have purple. It, it's basically like a live listening session. So we'll have uh, some speakers. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot of uh, engagement directly that you as a listener can do other than like some emojis and tuning in. But what you get is to listen to a good informational conversation uh, that's going to be a little less um, formal and, and formatted than this show will be. Um, but that will be our first one this Wednesday. Alex, I believe we decided at 7 p.m. Eastern. Sure. I think that's what I think that's I think that's the time slot we're going for. Uh, and these are most likely that may fluctuate change depending on, uh, you know, um, audience and, and participation, engagement, things like that. Uh, but I believe we're looking at doing kind of a, a, a biweekly sort of Twitter space thing. Uh, but this Wednesday, 7 p.m. will be our first Twitter space. And we hope that all of you, you guys didn't tell me there. about this. Ooh, Kristen, this is, oh, <laughs> dropping the bombshell on you right now. Cool. You didn't tell me. You got. You guys gonna need to give me the time and stuff. I mean, I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know it was coming up this Wednesday. It's like, oh, okay. We figured it out in a meeting yesterday. <laughs> I was oh, part okay. of that, and you're I and, and seven o'clock on Wednesday was still a surprise to me. So, oh, okay, I, okay. You know. <laughs> that, I was there when it was decided. I was there. I was with. there, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was there Ooh, mentally and that. physically. And he says it's a great format. Listening enables me to not be distracted. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, either way, that's this week, uh, and again, some of that is subject to change depending on how it goes and and what it uh, you know what works for everybody along the way. This, this coming Wednesday. This, this coming, Wednesday. coming Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. not this Wednesday, as in oh. literally this week, the Wednesday that already happened, but the Wednesday that is quickly approaching us. Right. Um, other than that, I believe we're all here next week. I don't think we have anybody out next week. Uh, as far as this panel is concerned, so we'll be back next week, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 over on the other coast. You guys got to do your Google foo and do some maths to figure out anywhere else. Otherwise, I think that's going to do it for us this week, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Embrace that compassion. Show some love for your fellow man. Remember, harm reduction is radical love. We are all deserving of it. 